All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Raya, and I'm super excited to talk to you about the number one skill that can increase your company's growth by 600%, whether that's a medical office, that is your current business that you own, um, whether that's, um, you know, you're a solopreneur and you're ready to go on to that next level and increase your team, does not matter. This is the one skill that you need to 6x your company. All right, so let's get into it. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya, functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. If you're a physician who's making good money, but you're feeling stuck in your current situation, or if you're tired of feeling just comfortable and are ready to pivot toward that freedom and wealth lifestyle you always wanted, then I want to introduce you to my newest program. It's called the Physician Wealth Accelerator, also known as PWA. In PWA, you're going to learn the strategies to gain more passive and active income. You'll learn how to free up 10 plus hours a week to pursue your passions and side gigs. If this resonates with you, then I want to personally invite you to join our elite community of high achieving doctors in the Physician Wealth Accelerator. This is a completely free coaching group where you'll be around other professionals in the medical field who are like you and looking to uplevel their life. You'll get access to live monthly masterclasses, live Q&As, and all of my best personal resources, as well as access my new app to help you become limitless. If you want to check it out, there will be a link in the show notes for you. Just click it, and you'll be able to join this exclusive community of high-performing docs. Looking forward to connecting with you on the inside. How to hire A-star employees, A-class employees, superstars in your company. Right, and there's going to be seven ways to hire, uh, and find, and evaluate these these people. And why is this important? Because if you hire superstars only, you don't settle for average. The best predictor of their future performance is their past performance. Right, this is what Eben Pagan says. The average hire in, in in some of the reports I've been reading, it's 240k to hire someone sometimes, but if they if you make a mistake, it can cost you 860k. And another report um, done by some of the investment banks and hedge funds who've been hiring, they say uh, mistake cost a company 15 times their employee salary. That's right, 15 times their employee salary. So today you're gonna learn exactly why you need to surround yourself with smarter people. And I'll show you the secrets to hiring superstars in your company and in your workforce. So, um, Here's the, here's the unfortunate truth. When you bring someone on board, the, the likelihood of success for a hiring manager is about only 50%. And again, as I mentioned, the downside fall of hiring a, a 100K employee, if you hire somebody, if it goes right, that's fantastic. If it goes wrong, that's $1.5 million um, of lost productivity for your company. And people say, hey, you know what? I just use really good resumes. I have some phenomenal resumes in my inbox. You know, I use Indeed. I use LinkedIn. I use a ZipRecruiter. Um, what's, what's the big deal? Well, 
here's the thing. Most resumes, as you know, are inflated. And, uh, you know, what is a resume really, right? It's a record of a person's career with all their accomplishments embellished and their failures removed. <laughs> so you really can't take a resume for face value nowadays. They have, most of them are truly inflated and people know how to write really good resumes, but are they going to be really good employees or really good candidates? And let's take the gloves off here and let's be real. Look, if you don't get this right, your company is going to be slow. Um, you're not going to be able to grow and that's going to affect your bottom line. It's going to affect your interest in and, and your enjoyment in working the company. And you're going to be burnt out because you're supposed to pay money to hire all these amazing people. And it's supposed to make your life easier. And remember, the ultimate goal for any business is for the owner, uh, for the uh, founder, the CEO, the person who created the business to eventually go from being an operator to an owner. And if that's your interest, then, then this is going to be very important what we're going to discuss today. So let's get right into it. How to hire great employees. One, you have to understand your company values. What's your company culture? What's your core values? Um, there's uh, several books out there that I've done. Uh, one is called Traction, where it helps you really delineate all this out. And they have an online um, a PDF called the EOS VTO Tracker. And it um, stands for Vision Traction Organizer. It's free. It's online to the website of the EOS company. And you can really come up with your core values and your core beliefs, your company culture, things like that. Um, number two is you got to leverage your network. You know, where are you going to get all these people from? Maybe mastermind groups, maybe referrals, maybe your current employees, um, maybe incentive bonus, maybe recruiters, right? Professional organizations. Next, you want to look for if the person's a fit in your team. Um, you know, 86% of executives uh, said that, um, poor collaboration is a major cause of business failure. So you want to make sure that when you're assembling the team together, that all the pieces fit well. And so one of the things we use in our company is called a DISC score. Uh, it's a DISC assessment, sort of a personality assessment, D-I-S-C. Uh, there's a lot of them online that you can look up, but you know, uh, usually the CEO, the founder is a, is a high D or a high I. Um, it's a dominant driver, uh, sort of a very directive um, more big picture kind of person uh, and visionary while and high I as well as SC would be a good integrator or sort of a right hand person who can help the visionary execute on their business plan and on their um, company growth. Um, if you have analysts, they should be more of an SC, which is steady and conscientiousness and more detail oriented. And we'll get into that in another episode. But right now, it's really, you know, looking for a good fit in your team and make sure the communication styles each uh, person in your team must be communicating the right way. You really want to have a person who can communicate well on your team. Communication is key. And I would say over communicate under communication is a problem. Now let's get into how to evaluate new hires. I have a book that I've read called who W H O. Yeah, it's right here. It's by Jeff smart and Randy street. And it is phenomenal. It is the goal standard. It is the Bible. Guys, this is what you need to read before you make a next hiring decision. And I'm just going to take this book and just take down the, the, the few things that I've taken from it and implemented in my companies. So whether that's my uh, coaching company, um, Limitless MD, my health and wellness company, Vitology, or it's my uh, real estate company, Viking Capital. These are the things that have allowed me to build superstar teams and help grow my company exponentially. So before I get into how to hire, 
let's get into the top 10 reasons why you make a mistake in hiring. And uh, they call them voodoo hiring practices or basically, you know, these bad habits we've picked up because we think we can sort of read people or we know people or our gut, quote unquote, tells us, uh, you know, if this person is a right fit for us. So let's let's get into it. These are the top 10 mistakes for hiring. Number one, um, yeah, they call it the art critic. What this means is essentially you try to read people, you try to get a, a sort of a gut instinct. But what we found is it's terribly inaccurate. You can't, it's not like a work of art or it's not just like, um, you know, meeting someone on a first date. It's, it's a lot more, um, you need to be a lot more uh, calculating and um, your in- intuition sometimes can be wrong. Next is the sponge approach. This is where, you know, you bring you and a couple other employees in your team and you and everyone interviews this, uh, the, the person and you're hoping just by a bunch of people interviewing them that maybe you'll pick up something that will decide if this person's the right thing. But so you're a sponge, you're, you're collecting as much as you can. And you, sometimes you're going down rabbit holes. If that person's interested in skydiving, you talk about skydiving, if they're interested in scuba diving, you talk about that or some other passion or interest, but it has nothing to do with uh, why you're hiring them for the role. The next Number three uh, mistake that people make is being sort of a prosecutor. You're going in like an attorney and you're trying to tear them down. You're trying to catch up mistakes. And this aggressive uh, uh, questioning, you know, may not reveal if this person is going to do the roles, the competencies that you've laid out for them in the job. Number four is called a suitor. You're just trying to like butter them up and you're hoping that they, they'll, they're, you know, that they're willing to work for you. And so you're selling the whole time. and this is premature because you don't know, even know if this person has roles, the competencies and the capabilities to perform at your job. So why are you already selling them on the job? The next one is the trickster. Um, this strategy is where you're using um, some, some kind of um, uh, tra- tactics to see how they react. Like you drop your pen, you see if they pick it up, you don't shake their hand, you see if they reach out to shake yours, um, things like that. And again, it is really not going to get to the root cause of the problem. The next one they call is called the animal lover. This is where you ask your pet questions, if you will, you know, like what, what is your spirit animal or, you know, what's your favorite color and these things kind of things and not based in science. And this will not be relevant to your search to find a, a superstar employee. The, the number seven is called the chatterbox. This is where you just chat away. la da 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 keep talking. And you're just trying to create rapport and like you're trying to see if they're, they're going to be a sort of like a friend, someone you'd want to hang out with at the bar or grab a beer with. They may be fun and you want, may want to grab a beer with them, but will they be the kind of employee that's going to take your company to the next level? Maybe not. Number eight, the psychological personality test. So this is where like, hey, would you rather be at a cocktail party or at the library Friday night? Like, um, you know, uh, do you fly coach or first class? Like, you know, you ask these kind of questions to see. You can either trip them up or sort of get a sense of who they are uh, based on the personality test. And there may be some role in this, but really it's not going to be the full evaluation of what you need. Number nine is the aptitude tester. This is important. It's, uh, you know, seeing if they have the aptitude role, you're seeing, you know, you're putting them in scenarios, business scenarios, but in isolation, not enough to make a comprehensive decision on hiring. And finally, number 10 is sort of the fortune teller. Hey, you know, where does the economy go in four years from now? Um, what is our our um, current uh, market uh, capitalization and uh, what do you see is going to happen here? Um, you know, if 
if if this coworker came to you and you had a problem with them, how would you resolve the issue? And so a lot of these issues, you know, are typically pretty easy to figure out for the uh, employee who's trying to, you know, get your, um, you know, uh, admiration when, when they're a- answering these questions. But the answers to these questions do not determine if this is the right fit for your company. So bottom line is um, these are not good enough to really find A players. So what do you need to find A players? And there really is a four-step process. And again, we're looking for a CFO currently for our company at Viking Capital. And this is exactly what I did. So number one is a screening interview. This is a 30-minute interview where you just go on the phone and literally go through, you know, first you do our initial resume screen out and most of the resumes probably don't meet muster. Then the ones you like based on just resume screening, you do a quick phone screening interview and you ask these four questions and it should take 15 to 20, maybe 30 minutes. Hey, what are your career goals? You keep them very open-ended and you let them speak. You don't give them anything and pre, uh, um, predispose them to certain questions or answers. Number two, what are you really good at professionally, right? Uh, that's a very good question. And that way you can see if they're in alignment with the role that you're offering. And here's a super important question. And I'm going to say it again. So what are you not good at or not interested in doing professionally? This is highly important because if the roles that you're hiring for are not what this person's interested in doing, then this will not be a good fit and this will not be a good hire. And finally, who were your last five bosses and how will they each rate your performance on a scale of one to 10 when we talk to them? You're literally telling them you're going to go and call each one of their bosses. You're asking them to spell their boss's name. I mean, it's that specific. Um, if you do this, you're going to get at least an honest appraisal. And if someone has like a seven, six, five, you probably don't want to hire them because if they've had, again, previous performance determines future performance, according to even Pagan. So this is uh, the kind of evaluation. This is called a screening interview. These four questions. If they pass the screening interview and you're like, all right, this sounds like a good candidate, then you need to devote 90 minutes to two hours and do what we call a top grading interview. There's five questions you answer and you answer, you ask these questions on every job that they've done in the last, you know, uh, their last five positions, if you will. Number one, what were you hired to do? Number two, what are your accomplishments you're most proud of? Number three, what are some of the low points during that job? And number four, who are the people you worked with specifically? You know, what was your boss's name? How did you spell that? What was like working with him? What will he or she tell me about your biggest strengths and areas of improvement? How did you rate your team you inherited on a scale of, uh, you know, A, B, and C? And then when you left, what was that team? And what here, what you're looking for is, did they, did they grow their team? Did they up-level their team? And then finally, why did you leave the job? And you want to get into it. And sometimes it's very generic answers that they say. And what I did was I would pause and say, hey, tell me more about that. What, what was that? Or can you, can you explain that further? Or, you know, I know you don't know the answer to that, but if you did, what would that be? And, you know, how did that make you feel? And it's, it's, it's going in deep. And literally, you know their whole life story. Here's something that I've learned uh, the hard way because we've hired people that sometimes were not the right fit for our companies. And someone can BS you for 30 minutes, even an hour, but it's very difficult to put up that guard, that, that, you know, facade for 
two hours, three hours, you break down and you can sense these things very quickly. So you want to take that extra time. You spend an hour or two more now and it'll save you years later. Okay. So this is a top grading interview. And if it meets muster, then, then you do what we call a focused interview. This is where you've forgotten a few things. You may want to go digging deep. You may want to get extra people on your team who you value their opinion to just go really targeted. And you ask, you know, the purpose of this interview is to talk about X and whatever that is could be, hey, your experience in selling to new customers, building new teams, creating strategies, you know, um, things like that. Number two, what is your biggest accomplishments in this area during your career? And number three, what is your insights into your biggest mistakes and lessons learned in that area? So uh, uh, it's almost like a follow-up interview, very targeted, very pointed, maybe 15 to 20 minutes, maybe done by you, maybe done by some of the other members of your team. Once you think, man, this person is awesome, then you got to do a reference interview. It's surprising. Probably very few people actually go go back and do a quality reference interviews. And, and you know, they said, in fact, 64% of business moguls we interviewed conduct reference, conducted reference interviews for every hire. So only 64% of people conduct reference interviews. That means, you know, a large portion are not conducting reference interviews. And this is where mistakes can happen. So you want to go back and talk to maybe four to six people that you've worked with, depending on the job history. So in what context, and here's the questions you ask, five questions. In what context did you work with this person? What were the person's biggest strengths? Um, what were the person's biggest areas for improvement back then? And how would you rate his overall performance? Um, and then the person mentioned that he or she struggled with X. Can you tell me more about that? So you're really digging in deep. Now, you're like, man, I, I think I got someone. This is amazing. Guess what? It's not done yet. You got to make sure they want to work with you. You put them through the ringer, right? You put this person through hell and back. <laughs> and, you know, you realize, hey, this person is a superstar. Guess what? Superstars don't hang around very often, especially in this market where we have the great resignation. People are moving on quite a bit. There's a lot of opportunities for um, uh, quality people, A superstars, A, a players. They can probably, you know, find phenomenal job anywhere so how do you attract them to your company you want to sell them so one of the things uh we've learned is these five f's that matter to the candidate it's it's about company fit or fit family right it has to make sense for the family does the wife want to move to that city does the kids schooling make you know, does it make sense for them to move you know mid-year Next is freedom, right? Are they going to get the freedom? Are you going to micromanage them with that freedom to do what? To grow, to be uh, who they want to be. Fortune, right? Money does talk. It's not the number one thing, but it is definitely a thing. And then fun, you know, is it a do the company retreats? Are you guys going out? Are you uh, enjoying your colleagues? Uh, you know, things like that. You know, we took our whole company to Key West. We rented an island and had these cottages and we did a company retreat out there. And again, this, this blew most of our, our employees away, but they really appreciated that. And, and we really got down to business as well. We did some business building, but we also just hung out as, as, as friends and family. And so these kind of things create an amazing company culture. And I advocate for you to do things like that. It doesn't have to be to that level or extent, but something to where it's fun as well to go to work. Um, you want to, you know, be persistent. Sometimes these guys, uh, they're already working for a competitor or another company. You want to keep uh, staying in touch with them. And then, you know, you want to give them a clear outline of, hey, when you sign on, here's what's going to look like. Here's the onboarding process. Here's what it looks like to get started. Here's your bonus structure. Here's your uh, pro career progression plan. All of that. 
Okay. So that's how you bring people on. And then let's say you bring them on. Here's the secret tip that I've learned on how to keep them going the first 30 days. Cause that first 30 days, it's still in this early process. You, and you want to one communicate in with them every day, make sure that they're feeling comfortable, that they feel excited, that they're ready to go, that they have all the resources and technology and techniques that they need. And next you want to engage in daily communication. You want to ask them to send you, Hey, what did they do that day? What results did they get? Any problems they faced and any questions they have for you. If you ask that question or even ask them to email or text you for, or Slack, you use Slack, for example, for the next 30 days post hire, it's going to create a lot of, um, a lot of problems will get solved very quickly. A lot of the adjustment will get done very quickly. Transition will happen sooner. So this is super important. It's the daily 30 day communication strategy. And then finally, you want to continue to work on your leadership skills and their leadership skills. Um, and as a bonus, guys, I know uh, this is a little bit of a longer solo cast, but I want to share with you uh, things I've learned about leadership in, in a company and specifically whether you should be a cheetah or a lamb. And I'll explain in a second here. So, so there's two ways uh, you can lead a company and they call them the cheetah and the lamb. You know, a cheetah, uh, I'm sorry, let's start with the lamb first. The lamb is very respectful. It has really high EQ, listening skills, open to criticism. And, and they're really nice people. And, you know, they, they want to be liked by everybody and things like that. In fact, uh, board of directors love lambs because they don't push. They don't, they don't make um, uh, ripples in the water. And they're easy to work with. Um, the second dominant profile is what we call the cheetah. They move fast. They're aggressive. They're persistent. They're proactive. They have a strong work ethic and they have high standards. But they can definitely uh, ruffle uh, the ruffle the uh you know um the feathers of of the leadership team the board the directors other employees and you know sometimes they can be tough to work with but here's the interesting thing the success rate and this is um uh, university of chicago business school did this study they found the probability of success of a ceo as a lamb was about 57 percent and as a cheetah as a hundred percent that's right a hundred percent of the people who are considered cheetahs were successful and they financially moved the company. So you, what I found is to be maybe 70, 30, be 70% cheetah, 30% lamb, really be ready to move fast, be aggressive, see what's around the corner, have your reality distortion field as Steve Jobs likes to do, be proactive, work hard, have high standards, but occasionally make sure, I mean, not occasionally, but definitely still try to be respectful, have uh, these powerful listening skills and op and be open to criticism, but try on the criticism like, like a coat. And if it fits, wear it, otherwise discard it and keep moving um, and, and stay in your lane and know what you're good at. And if you need to hire people around you who are lambs, so be it. So guys, this is my take on how to be successful as an entrepreneur, as an owner of a company, as you're a solopreneur trying to build up a team. So, uh, and, and, and I guess, look, I want to over deliver here. Let me give you one more bonus. Here's the four A's I look at when I'm hiring somebody, I call them. Um, these are the four A's of hiring one. I look for attitude. Next is aptitude. Third is appearance. And finally ambition. You need these four A's to find your A players. So guys, as a recap, make sure you understand the 10 mistakes of hiring. 
use the four-step hiring process out, outlined in the book, Who, which I've helped share with you. And as a leader of a company, look for more cheetahs and less lambs if you want a strong uh, level of growth. And finally, think about those bon bonus four A's I talked about, attitude, aptitude, appearance, and ambition in the characteristics of the person you're hiring. And then finally, if you found this uh, episode helpful, please share it with your colleagues and friends. And until next time, guys, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.